Just a note before we start. Our show talks about touchy subjects that may be difficult for some of our listeners. Take care of yourself. If you feel you need to seek help, see the links at the end of our show notes for resources. Welcome to Touchy Subjects, the podcast that aims to make those awkward conversations around domestic and sexual violence just a little less awkward. I'm Sean. I'm Allie. And I'm Sierra. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing Start by Believing. So by now we're about three days into Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and Start by Believing is something that we're really passionate about touching on and making a focus throughout this month. Um, basically because the whole premise of this phrase is to believe survivors. More often than not, we see a lot of survivors choose not to come forward because they fear not being believed or um, people just have um, victim-blaming attitudes that make it very difficult for survivors to come forward. So basically what we're going to get into today and what we're really going to dive into is talking about how to believe survivors, why it's important to believe survivors, and just um, creating that safe atmosphere for people to come forward and start that recovery process. So just like Sierra mentioned, um, we are three days into Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So Sexual Assault Awareness Month is just an annual campaign that's used to raise public awareness around sexual assault and then how to educate communities and individuals on ways that we can start working on preventing sexual assault from taking place. It also then creates that space for potentially victims and survivors to have a platform to kind of speak a little bit about what their experiences might be if they feel comfortable doing so, and kind of just give the community at large the ability to understand that sexual assault is really a problem. While most of us can probably recognize that it's an issue, it gives that platform and the space to speak then on how can we work on preventing sexual assault? And that doesn't necessarily have to be bystander intervention, which is a great way to help stop an assault taking place, but also just looking then at our society as a whole and what types of behaviors are we allowing for to create this culture where rape and sexual assaults are common and as well as acceptable in some areas. For sure. So um, during the Sexual Assault Awareness Month, we want survivors out there to know that we see you, we believe you, um, and we are going to try our hardest to honor every story um, that survivors have and also put a little information out there so people who maybe um, have little understanding of sexual violence can understand it more and can understand what will truly help um, help move this issue towards um, not existing. So part of creating that culture then is going to be like we prefaced at the start of this, that start by believing. If we've created a culture where survivors and victims understand that they're going to be believed when they do have that first report of their victimization to somebody, if they know they're going to be believed, they're more likely than to one share that story, but they're also then more likely to be able to feel confident in reporting it. So, Allie, do you want to kind of explain then what the Start by Believing um, campaign is all about? Yeah, for sure. So, um, 
the reason that I'll be kind of talking a lot about this this idea of Start by Believing in the campaign itself is because um, I have actually we've worked on this campaign in my own community where I work. Um, and Sean and Sarah are familiar with the campaign, but um, just like you guys out there, they're also learning about this. And so we're going to kind of do a, a question and answer sort of thing here. Um, but to give a background on the campaign, um, Start by Believing was initially launched in Chicago in 2011 by the organization End Violence Against Women International. Um, this is a an organization that um, fights to uh, to bring justice to survivors of gender based violence, and so this campaign was going to be a one time thing, um, but it was really embraced by the city of Chicago. And since then, in 2011, there um, the campaign has been adapted worldwide in different communities. Um, so that includes communities all over the United States, including um, some abroad. So uh, the cool thing about this campaign is that there are materials that any community can use to bring it to their to their particular area. Um, and that's what I've done in my area. Um, but the core of the message is still the same across the board, which is, um, that to make significant change, we need to start by believing survivors. Um, so that's what the campaign does. So what's the significance of the phrase, the phrase itself, start by believing? So we know that most victims of sexual assault are never going to report their assault to law enforcement. Um, there are a lot of reasons why that might be. And we've talked about some of those right here on our podcast before. Um, but one of the largest factors for a lot of survivors is the fact that they simply aren't believed by the first people they tell. The response that they receive is negative. Um, most often survivors are going to disclose to family and friends first. It's very, very rare that a survivor would go to law enforcement or a hospital or a rape crisis center um, before they go to somebody that they love and trust. And so when a survivor receives this negative reaction from somebody that they thought cared about them or, you know, that they, they know loves them, um, it can really discourage them from moving forward in the process. So not only do these negative disclosures harm victims because it makes them feel like they're not, they're not important, they're not believed, their story wasn't valid, but it creates communities where perpetrators aren't held accountable, right? I mean, it's basic math. If, uh, if a sexual assault is never brought to law enforcement, then law enforcement can never apprehend a perpetrator, which means it's a community full of perpetrators. Um, and so it not only, you know, harms the individual, but it harms communities as well. So you mentioned in there the negative responses that somebody might have to disclosing to like a friend or a family member. And I will point out that if one of our friends reports to us that or discloses that information to us, we would assume that our response is going to be one that is going to be good because it's going to come from that place of caring. It's like we care about this person. So the response that we're going to have is coming from that place. but if the response that we have to it is not a response that is going to be informed to where the person disclosing that information to us is going to feel like they're actually being heard, it's only going to end up hurting the person disclosing instead of them understanding that it's coming from this really caring and genuine place of wanting to help. But 
us wanting to help might not look the same as what that person needs in that moment. It's a really good point. I'm glad that you brought that up because um, the, the point of Start By Believing as a campaign is to educate the community. Um, and by the community, we mean people that may be on the receiving end of disclosures. It's not... It, it's not it's not our fault if if we don't know what to say to a survivor right it's it just means that our community is not prepared for that um, family and friends are not prepared to receive such a traumatic disclosure like that and so you're right responses are often well-intentioned and they come from a place of love however there's research that shows that there are phrases that are most beneficial in that moment so with all of that being said, Allie, can you give us an example of a time um, maybe a survivor wasn't believed, which ultimately would lead to their perpetrator being able to harm more victims? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this idea that when we don't start by believing, we foster a community that doesn't hold perpetrators accountable, um, that is has been played out time and time again in communities all over the United States, all over the world. Um, but one really high profile case that particularly people here in Michigan um, will identify with is that of Larry Nasser. Um, so Larry Nasser was the uh, gymnastics physician and he was located at Michigan State University in Lansing. So this plays out with the Larry Nasser case because the first survivor to disclose against Larry Nasser um, to law enforcement was in 1997. That was 20 years before Larry Nasser was actually brought in on charges of, um, of sex crimes. And, and when that survivor came forward back in 1997, she wasn't believed. In fact, she was told that she misunderstood her medical treatment, which sent the message to her that not only was she not assaulted the way that she knew she was, but that somebody else knew her body and her experience better, right? And so if that survivor had been believed, if that survivor had had the support that we want to build with this campaign, um, there's a chance that so many, so many gymnasts wouldn't have been harmed after her. So had, had the response to her disclosing been good, or had the people that she reported this to actually listened to her and then decided to follow up with it better than what follow-up had actually happened. Because even when Larry Nasser was interviewed on this by police early on, they brought him in and said things like, now, I know this might not have happened, but we got this report. So even when they had interviewed Larry Nasser, they were already starting from a place of not believing the victim, but believing that what Larry Nasser had been doing was okay and all right. Exactly. That's exactly it. So then how do we get to a place where we have those positive reactions or we have a, we have a response to someone disclosing that is going to be beneficial to that victim or survivor? So the thing to remember is that Every reaction makes a difference. Your reaction makes a difference. My reaction makes a difference. And our community, as a community, our reaction makes a difference. Um, like we've said before, this first disclosure 
of sexual assault is often to family and friends, um, to loved ones. It's not often to formal support systems like law enforcement. Um, and this first disclosure can really set the stage for a survivor's long-term recovery and healing. Um, and so if they feel like they have received a positive reaction, it can be instrumental in their healing process, which means they not only feel supported in their personal lives, but they're more likely to engage in formal support systems later on down the road. So that could be getting a medical exam or um, seeking the help of a, a rape crisis center or even reporting to law enforcement. Now, on the other hand, when a survivor feels that they've received a negative reaction to their disclosure, um, it has been shown to result in a steep decline in their emotional and physical health. And that's on top of the trauma that they've already endured by being sexually assaulted. So it's really crucial to remember that there are, there's research to back this up, that positive reactions can really make a difference. Now, that's fine dandy. We can talk about positive reactions all day. But, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure that we're wondering what does that really look like, right? And what I'll point out, too, is those positive reactions aren't just necessarily going to be on that individual basis or those negative reactions aren't going to be this individual basis. This can also come from a community level. If the community that you're in has a general negative response to somebody disclosing sexual assault, like, for example, when Dr. Blasey Ford came out against Brett Kavanaugh, if the community's response to that was saying that, oh, she's just lying or that they didn't believe her story that, or the story that she was telling, if that's your community's response to somebody disclosing sexual assault on a national scale, your now your community has now sent this message to other victims in your own community that when they choose to disclose that information, they're not going to be believed. Whether the situation actually happened or not, by showing that you are in a community that is not believing victims, victims aren't going to come forward. They're not going to want to talk to law enforcement. They're not going to want to talk to you because they now have seen your response already to somebody else disclosing. So in terms of positive reactions, what does that actually mean? Like, what does that look like for us to be able to give somebody a positive reaction to their disclosure? So more research, because this is a heavily researched subject. Um, research has shown that there are two keys to positive reactions. Um, the first one, shocker, is being believed. That the person feels like, they were believed by the person they disclosed to. And the second one is that they were encouraged to talk about their experience. Um, and this is really important because it not only says, okay, I believe you, but it allows them to have a space where they are free enough to do what they need to do to start the healing process. Um, and so a lot of times people will just say, you know, okay, what do I say? All right, if somebody comes to me, and says that they were sexually assaulted, what do I say? Again, research. There are three things. The first, I believe you. The second is, I'm sorry this happened to you, which signals to the survivor that it wasn't their fault, right? They were not at fault for what happened to them. And the third one is, how can I help? And this one is really crucial because when somebody's been sexually assaulted, their power has already been taken away from them. And as a support person, as somebody that loves 
that survivor, it is not your job to take more power away from them and tell them what they need to do next. It is your job to support them and empower them to get the help that they need in that moment. So if that means, you know, taking them to a, to a, a medical forensic exam, that's what it means. But if it means staying overnight with them and just watching movies or talking about what happened, that could also be it. But making sure that you're asking them, what do you need from me right now is really key. And while your, resp- your initial response could be like, oh, who did this to you? Like stuff like that. While that's, like I said earlier, well-intentioned because you're coming from, that's how you're processing how you can help this person by drilling them with these questions, by trying to figure out like, oh, we need to go report this. Like, let's go to the police. They're all well-intentioned responses because you want this person to feel safe again in that community by reporting it to the police, by trying to figure out who did this to them so you can like help them out through all this process. But if that's not information they're willing to share, or if those are the steps that they don't want to take, like Ali said, you're now just taking away the power in their situation again. So in our society, though, we have this inherent belief of innocent until proven guilty, which is how our law enforcement system, like, that's how it works. So how do we then address the possible inherent bias that can come along with the phrase of start by believing? Because if we're inherently believing a victim, wouldn't that also mean that we are saying that the person who would be the defendant in this case, the person who would assaulted the victim, is guilty until proven innocent? Well, there's kind of two facets to that. So if we're talking about it from a support person perspective, you know, from a a loved one, a family member, a friend, um, then starting by believing is the least that you can do for the person that you love. And um, while we are, we are, as humans, want to fix things, right? And so if somebody that we love comes to us and says that they were sexually assaulted, I know that there is a tendency to want to figure it out, right? To want to figure out if it's real, to want to figure out who did it, to ask all of these questions. But as a support person, you are not an investigator. That is not your role. Your role is to support that person. And so the the idea of starting by believing is, is really starting from a place of listening and respecting that person. Um, and, and through research, we know that... Um, when a survivor does report, the chances that they are lying are very, 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 very small. Very small. And so as a support person, what you need to know is that sexual assaults do happen. They happen more than you think. And your job is to support, not investigate. Now, if we're looking at it from the law enforcement perspective or um, you know, people in the investigative community, There are concerns about the phrase start by believing because that does, I mean, the the word believing means that you believe that person. Um, But again, it goes back to the idea that this is start by respecting and start by listening um, rather than start by disbelieving. And right now, disbelief is the way that a lot of people operate when we talk about sexual assault. And so if you just switch the lens a little bit and listen and support and respect, you're going to get a, a heck of a lot better response from a survivor um, than if you just disregard everything from the beginning. 
And if we think about it in terms of how when law enforcement are interviewing a potential victim or a victim of sexual assault, there's a lot of like trauma that the person has experienced. So their responses to the questions, their phrasing of the response of their responses or the fact that they're just missing pieces also then plays into law enforcement sometimes not believing victims but like ellie said the start by believing part is more so start by listening and respecting if law enforcement aren't asking questions like well what were you doing what were you wearing that sound very victim blamey so those que- like asking questions that are going to help them find the person who did this because those are the questions that matter it doesn't matter what they were doing it doesn't matter what they were wearing what matters is this person has been victimized think of it as that base point so trying to understand that even law enforcement that initial response that they have to a victim disclosing or talking to them about it is going to be impactful then on whether or not that victim is going to continue to work with law enforcement yeah absolutely so the the whole gist of this this episode and the whole gist of this idea is that if you ever find yourself in a position where you're on the receiving end of a disclosure of sexual assault, we hope that you remember the phrase start by believing um, because that will guide the rest of the conversation and that could make all of the difference for the survivor sitting in front of you. Um, and so if you remember that start by believing is important, if you remember those three phrases, which are, I believe you, I'm sorry this happened to you, and how can I help? Um, then you are going to be a fantastic support system. And um, we can really change the culture uh, one reaction at a time, one survivor at a time. I think the biggest takeaway, too, for somebody who is um, preparing themselves to be able to start by believing somebody who does um, go ahead and disclose to them is just remember the biggest takeaways is that this is the survivor's journey and it's their decision what um, what comes next. So just remember your place is and your purpose is to believe them and support them and help them to um, take whatever steps they want to take without going ahead and trying to um, grab the wheel and steer for them. Your job is just to be their support person and support them. Absolutely. Um, and so as we wrap up today, um, if anybody out there is interested in the Start by Believing campaign, or if you're interested in the research that goes behind it, feel free to check out startbybelieving.org. Um, all of those resources and all of that research is, is publicly available, and um, you, can, you can see that for yourself and see where these numbers come from and see where um, our information comes from. I found it really powerful when I, when I first started learning about this campaign. Um, and so I think that other people will too. So with that being said, thanks for listening today. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at touchy subs pod to keep up to date with everything that we have going on and when new episodes come out, feel free to email any questions or comments or critiques to us at touchy subjects podcast at gmail.com. And in the meantime, don't be afraid to challenge, ask, and discuss when it comes to touchy subjects.